1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss everything from cutting-edge science to the wisdom of the ages about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you should plan a virtual move and take a deep dive into how to deal with a child going off to college. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, you are quite far from the stage of taking your son to college.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And even though I don't have to worry about it for a long time, Gretchen, it was fascinating to hear from listeners um, on this topic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But before we dive in, Elizabeth, we got an email from Sharon from Dublin who really ran with your idea of the Power Day. She actually adapted it into a Power Week, and we loved hearing about this.
0: Yes. Uh, Sharon says, late last year, my husband and I renovated our house, but it feels like there are a 100 incidental jobs left to be completed. It was a real happiness stumbling block to give up weekends to complete these menial tasks, but also a stumbling block to see everything almost finished. I made a list of absolutely everything that needed to be done room by room and booked a week off work to complete them. My husband did the same. I'm an obliger and I need accountability to really deliver. My husband is not a do-it-yourself enthusiast, (laughs) so I asked my dad to come stay for a few days to help. He was really keen. Now my mom and father-in-law want in too. As a keen gardener, my mom wants to plant us a new garden. Double win.
1: What I love about this is that now, instead of dreading all these tasks and trying to work them in, she's like set aside time. She's brought in helpers. It's like this whole family time. Everybody's into it and it becomes this, oh, we're going to get everything done in this one set block of time. It's really transforms all those tasks into something more fun. And probably they'll get a huge amount done just because they're so organized and they're going to be working together in such a concentrated way. So that's a great way. You can have a power hour. You can have a power day. You can have a power week. Whatever you want. However however large your task is, yes. there's, a, there's a way to power into it. Love that. Just wait till we introduce the power month. It's going to be very productive. <laughs> uh, well, Elizabeth, there. Try this at home. Tip this week is not to do a power month, which is a little terrifying, but it's to plan a virtual move. Oh, I love this one, Gretchen. Yeah. So one thing that many, many people have noticed is that when you move, it's a great time to clear clutter. Because often what happens is that when you're going through the process of actually picking up an item and putting it in a box and wrapping it up and paying to have movers move it, you realize, you know what, I don't even want this thing anymore. And so then that's when you toss it or recycle it or give it away or whatever it is. And so we can kind of take advantage of this fact about moving that's very widespread that you can do a virtual move, which is when you walk through your rooms and you look at what you have and you think, if I were moving, would I bother to wrap this doodad up in bubble wrap and stick it in a box and pay to have it moved and then unwrap it on the other end and figure out a place to put it? Or would I just chuck it or would I just give it away to somebody else because I actually never use this thing?
0: Yeah, I think this is so smart and I need to do this in my whole house. Um, Gretchen, I should send you some pictures of our house right now <laughs> because as you and our listeners know, Adam and I have been doing this renovation for the last two years, I believe now. Oh my gosh. And each room has now become sort of a center of chaos uh-huh because you know we have like the dining room chairs in the living room but plus a million other things that don't belong there and the dining room table is covered with stuff and it's like every area has just become insane and um i think we just need to go through and really do this exercise of if we were moving like let's treat our house like a new house cuz it's kind of is yeah And do we want to, quote, move this object into our new house? And I think we would get rid of a lot of stuff that way.
1: So is it selfish and wrong of me that I really hope it is still like this when I come for my book tour in September and so I can just (laughs) relentlessly help you clear clutter for like two days straight? <laughs> I
0: would love to be there for I your have virtual to say, move. I I think that is a dream <laughs> that might come true. You, the, I would love to say it's all going to be done by September, but I think there's a very good chance that there will be plenty um, of virtual moving for you to help me do.
1: Well, but see, and here's the thing: is you don't have to wait for a real move. You can make your home nicer by doing that now, by tossing that thing now, or donating that thing now, or giving away that thing now. Instead of waiting for that official transition, like you say, you've got a a sort of a lesser transition, but it can also be a catalyst for doing this mental exercise of doing a virtual move.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we have two fondue sets. (laughs) And yes, we used to make fondue, believe it or not, but now we don't. So would we move our fondue maker? You know, it's a question that needs to be discussed. And think about how much room we would have in a cabinet, Gretchen, if we got rid of not one but two fondue makers.
1: Well, and I think the thing is you can safely say you can definitely get rid of one fondue maker without, uh, without a pause. You might have to pause over the second fondue maker, probably not for long, but the, fr- the second fondue maker can definitely go. <laughs> but but I think sometimes it is hard because th- th- things are in this kind of weird position where, okay— Would we use it? Can we use it? Or it's precious in another way. And I thought of this, Elizabeth, because Ma, I was home in Kansas City, and Mom, who is not a clutter person, is constantly getting rid of clutter, so she doesn't have a lot of clutter stuff. But she had this gigantic 15-pound ceramic serpent Hmm. that was taking up a huge amount of room, which apparently you made in second grade, and she has kept this whole time. And I was just like, huh. So at what point do you decide I'm going to get rid of this massive Hmm. ceramic serpent mm-hmm. <laughs> that my second grader made for me. And I think maybe she has reached the point of where she'll just take a picture of the ceramic serpent as a little memento, but she doesn't actually need to take up an entire shelf of a bookshelf with the serpent anymore.
0: Yeah, Gretchen, you know what? She sent me a picture uh, of him and she said, <laughs> time to say goodbye. And it was sad, but I-, I couldn't begrudge her that shelf space.
1: Yeah, and then, then there are things where like I was so excited because a friend of mine told me about how buying this rice cooker had changed his life and they loved this rice cooker. And so then I bought one for Jamie for his birthday and I thought this is going to be amazing. This was when we were still eating rice. Now we don't eat rice anymore, but this was, so this is a sign of how long ago it was. And so he used it one time. We never use it again. Now we don't even cook rice at all. And it was just taking up room on our shelf. And for somebody, that's a really useful thing. So I actually found a friend who yeah. was like, oh my gosh, I definitely want a rice cooker. And I was so ecstatic to put it into the hands of somebody who would make good use of it. I think what's tough about clutter often is that things are so familiar to us or we feel the value like, oh, that was this great present that I thought was going to be such a successful gift, but then it didn't work out. But maybe one day I'll use it. Or here's this serpent that, you know, my daughter made me with so much love or whatever. But when we're doing the virtual move, we see things differently. It's like a different lens of evaluating our stuff. And so the things that are just vanished into the woodwork because they're so familiar and they've been there forever all of a sudden stand out in a different way. Oh, This is taking up a lot of space. It would take up its own entire cardboard box if I were moving it. Or if I were going to move this, I wouldn't move this because we never use this thing anymore. It's like a way of tricking your imagination into seeing familiar possessions in kind of a new unfamiliar light.
0: Yes, Gretchen. And as an aside, um, Adam, Uh um, what he does when he wants to get rid of an item he thinks maybe I'll um, hesitate Uh is he does it when I'm gone. So recently Jack and I went to Legoland and spent the night there. And when I came back, I started noticing that some fairly large objects were (laughs) missing from the house. Um, And he just sort of, Took them away while I was gone. And I was glad he did because then I didn't have to, you know, have the whole internal debate about whether or not something should be there. But I think um, he's doing a
1: little virtual moving of his own. So, Elizabeth, like what was something that you noticed uh, had gone missing <laughs> while you were gone?
0: Well, like, for instance, we have this thing called a learning tower, which is a pretty large wooden structure um, that you put up next to the kitchen counter, and your child can get on top of it and be able to see what's going on in the counter. Ah. And Jack used it some when he was young, but I mean, he hasn't used it for probably at least two years. I'd say it's only <laughs> been sort of a blanket holder. I drape my throw blankets over it. Uh-huh. And it's something that I definitely would have resisted getting rid of because I have sentimental attachment to anything that, you know, sort of suggests Jack at a younger age. Yeah. But it's It's really big. And as soon as I walked into the house, I noticed, I go, oh, this is so weird. I can see our bar stools. Uh I feel like I don't normally see our bar stools. (laughs) And then like three hours later, I realized, oh, that's because that big thing that blocks the bar stools is now no longer here.
2: And I just said to
0: Adam, I go, oh, did you do something with the learning tower? And he he was like, yeah. Okay. And that was
1: all, all the discussion we had. <laughs> You're like, I don't even want to know what you did with it. But, like, but, but that's great. I mean, that's a great example of something where you hadn't even thought about, like, should we keep it or should we get rid of it? It just had blended into the woodwork for you so much yes. that you didn't even remember that you should even be evaluating it. But when it vanished, you noticed right away because it was actually quite a major piece of furniture. So, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing with a virtual move. You'd be like, this is going to take up a whole giant box. Should we move this thing? No, because we don't use it anymore. That's a perfect example. Yes. Well, you know, another way to do this, too, so you can imagine that you're doing a move, so you make a virtual move. Another thing that works for some people is to imagine that you're going to have a party. That also shows you your house in another unfamiliar light. They're like, wow, I've got fingerprints Mm. all over the door jam, or I look at that shelf and everything is just like higgledy-piggledy. I need to like organize that shelf. It's another way of seeing with fresh eyes your very familiar environment. And a lot of times when you look with those fresh eyes, you see that there are things that you can get rid of or that you can put into the hands of somebody who will appreciate them more so that they are more active in the world with a different owner than they are just kind of languishing on the shelves or in a closet in your own house.
0: Yes. A virtual move, Gretchen. It'll be almost like you did
1: move. <laughs> yeah, because you'll have such a fresh new house. Yeah. So let us know if this works for you. If you've done a virtual move, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 125 for anything related to this episode.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for a happiness hack. And this is one that, you know, You can express very quickly. It's very simple.
1: (laughs) This is a very simple hack, but it works like a charm, which is, okay, you know you have a splinter and they're hard to get out. You need the tweezers, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what you can do is you can take glue, like Elmer's glue, and you coat the area that has the splinter with glue, or you can take duct tape and you cover the splinter and you just rip it off. You rip off the glue once Mm. it's dried, or you rip off the duct tape and it will just lift the splinter right out. And I just recently learned about this. I got a splinter off of a like a handle of something that, has, that puts little tiny slivers of splinters on my hand. Got out the Elmer's glue. It's fun. You got to say there is that old grade school fun of like coating your yeah. hand with glue and, and peeling it off. So it was sort of fun to do. And it worked. I was like, this is the greatest thing. I'm never using tweezers again as long as I, I cannot see the tweezers. It never works. You just poke around. It yeah. hurts. The glue thing, so simple, so easy. It's amazing. So that's my hat. this
0: is awesome i it's the first time I'm hearing of this i I never heard this um next time Jack has a splinter, I feel like he gets them occasionally. I'm gonna do this and he'll love it
1: well, and it's also less intimidating because there's something about tweezers where it looks it looks kind of like sometimes little kids don't like that a medical like, instrument yeah, they run yeah. away from you, but something like the tape or the glue feels much more like in the office supply. Um, uh, artwork (laughs) camp of things, not so much like, oh, they would use that at the dentist's office type of thing. So yeah, it's it's good. Try it.
0: Yeah. I guess we can call this a medical hack.
1: (laughs) Yes. Another subcategory of hack.
0: Okay, Gretchen, in episode 122, we asked for advice from our listeners um, for you about sending Eliza off to college in the fall. It was, you know, advice, anything from what to pack to how to deal with holidays to, you know, what to do to help Eleanor when she's missing her sister, just anything. And the response has been overwhelming.
1: Yes, it has been so great. I have poured over these there were so many fantastic ideas so we're just going to highlight some of the some of the best ones cuz there was so much great stuff.
0: A lot of people had advice about what to pack.
1: Yeah, I love this kind of concrete advice. I like really like basic concrete advice and people had great ideas. Like Leanne had a great idea for a feel better box with things like thermometer, pain reducer, cough medicine, Pepto-Bismol, Dayquil, Nyquil, band-aids. Um, because these are things that, you know, it's no fun to shop when you're sick and it's just great to have all these things together. Um, and I thought that was a great idea, the feel better box.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then Christina, who just graduated a few years ago, she suggests odor eliminating products. <laughs> she points out that college dorm rooms kind of smell musty and weird. And I remember that smell. Yes. <laughs> Um, and that is something that Eliza probably would not buy for herself, but that she would enjoy having. Yeah, yeah
1: this, is a, this is something where I'm like, it would never have occurred to me, but the minute I read it, I was like, oh, a hundred. not something that has like an odor, but something that's an odor-eliminating product. Brilliant. And Julianne had, like, these are people who are very close to it. Another great suggestion, painter's tape, blue painter's tape, because mm. it's great for putting up posters and decorations. You know, people love to decorate their dorm rooms. It's very easy to use and doesn't cause damage because a lot of colleges are really really uh, very strict about that. So very, very handy. Painter's tape. Plus, if you end up hating your roommate, you can
0: put a line of it down the middle <laughs> of the room. Yeah. The classic solution, yes. Yes. And then Ducky suggested flip-flops for the shower. Yes. Which is a very good idea. Brilliant.
1: I would not have thought of that, but clearly the minute you read it, you're like, absolutely. Yes. And post-it tabs for textbooks, which is also a great idea. Yes, uh, a great idea. Um, Michelle asked her college-age son what he would suggest. Um, so straight from his mouth is, and I thought this was a great idea, an inexpensive coat tree because you can put coats on it, towels on it, backpacks on mm. it, just like it's a place to put stuff so it's not all over the floor, or all over the furniture. I thought that was a great idea. Yes,
0: I could have definitely used that in college. Um, and then Sarah suggested twinkle lights because they look beautiful. Um, and she said you can just get the, you know, the basic green rope, white, Christmassy twinkle lights and put them up and that it just kind of livens up the room.
1: Julianne had some advice for Eliza about moving in, which was, um, don't argue with your parents about how to set up the room. Just let them do whatever they want. And then once they leave, you can set it up however you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Because she said a lot of other students she heard arguing with their parents about where to put things and all that. And so she just didn't, she just stayed out of all those arguments and had a lovely last couple of hours with her parents and then changed everything after they left. And I thought that was a very, a very kind of realistic student level mm-hmm. uh, piece of advice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And then Gretch, we heard from Paige, who's a current college student, and she actually has a blog called Eyeliner Wings and Pretty Things, eyelinerwingsandpretythings.com. And she has a great post about 10 things I wish I'd known before moving into college. Um, And another one that's 10 things not to buy for college, (laughs) which is a great idea. Um, She emphasizes not to pack too much and not to buy too much don't bring bulk toiletries. There's not much room. And to see what you need before you get stuff. She says to ignore the packing list that stores provide because you'll end up buying stuff you really don't need, like an over-the-door shoe organizer.
1: Right. I'll post a link to that in the show notes to her, uh, her posts about what to pack and what not to pack. It's very useful. This was such a lovely idea. This came from Danny. She said, The first thing my father did was to give me something on move-in day that was something so little but that I treasured. A dime he painted red. My dad has painted fire trucks for more than 40 years, and since I was going to the University of Wisconsin at Madison, he got the exact red color of the fire trucks he painted for the Madison Fire Department. I kept that dime with me throughout all my years in college, and it became my good luck charm. So I thought that was great. Give your child something Ooh, that's like, that. here's something like essential to our relationship, and this is going to be my good luck charm to you. I thought that was very sweet.
0: Very sweet. Um and then Gretchen, we heard from a lot of listeners on the subject of care packages. <laughs>
1: yes. Moving on yes. to very important <laughs> care packages. Yes, yes, yeah. Like we got this great voicemail from Madeline.
2: Hi, my name's Madeline. I'm from California, but I went to school in DC and I actually just graduated. And one thing that I really enjoyed that my parents did, holidays were obviously I think so important and that's when you miss your family the most um and since i was so far away i didn't really it wasn't home for many holidays um and they'd always send me a care package with candy themed for the holiday but the best one i got was this past thanksgiving they had everyone at the party like write a little note and so that was really nice it just felt like i was there with my family and that's something i would definitely recommend doing for eliza just because it was so meaningful for me
0: thank you bye And Gretchen, speaking of uh, celebration sort of care packages, Bethany suggested a birthday box with a dessert, balloons to blow up, birthday paper plates and napkins, et cetera. Things that you would have at a birthday party in a box and mail it to your child, which I think is a great idea.
1: I think that's so fun. I can imagine people really, really having a good time with this sort of like birthday party. Now, some other suggestions we got for care packages, which I made note of, were funny socks, mm. gift cards for Starbucks, or money for a nice dinner with friends, mm. silly cards. Uh, Liz, this is a good one for you. Theme mugs. Ah. And you could... Easily personalize a mug for your college student. Temporary tattoos. Eliza is obsessed with temporary tattoos, so that's a good one. Fancy pens. This was a good one. Face masks to de-stress before exams. Mm. Funny holiday decorations for Valentine's, Halloween, St. Patrick's. People suggested window gels, which are cheap and very easy to put up. That's a great idea. And Allison's mother, I thought this was cute, sent her Christmas in a box with mini Christmas trees and lights, decorations, an advent calendar and other cold weather treats like hot chocolate and new mittens. So that's sort of like a little like a little winter holiday box. I thought that was wonderful.
0: And then we heard from Laura in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, Kansas City. During finals week we would inflate a balloon for each final that we had, and then when we finished the final, we would pop them and it was just <laughs> so satisfying.
1: So please send Eliza balloons. That's fun. That is really, really fun. Now Kristen, you have a great you have a great care package story. What's your care package?
2: Well, this isn't really mine. It's from my friend Laura. And I just love this care package story so much. I think it's the most touching care package I've ever heard of. Uh, Laura went off to college, and her first year at college, she couldn't afford to get back home for Christmas time. And so her mom called the nearest pizza parlor. She did a search, found the nearest pizza parlor to her college dorm, ordered a two liter bottle of Diet Coke and a pizza. And she asked the staff of the pizza parlor, if they could arrange the pepperoni on the pizza to look like a Christmas tree. (laughs) And and it arrived at Laura's room, along with a note that she asked the staff to write, just saying, Merry Christmas, love mom. So sweet. Oh, that's so Uh, sweet. Every time I tell that story or think about it, I just think, oh, that's like the sweetest, sweetest care package ever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's original. I love that. But here's the thing, too, about that, is that several people mentioned that the care packages that their friends got or that their roommates got really made a difference for them. Just like you got a happiness boost from your friends at getting this lovely pizza. Yeah. There's really this ripple effect. Many people said, oh, my roommate got this wonderful thing from her family. So you can make a difference to more than one student. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I want to do is, is if I'm sending a care package, include in it, you know, something for Eliza's roommates or friends. So it's not just for her, but it's like explicitly I'll be thinking about, oh, maybe she'll want to share this with other people.
0: Gretchen, this reminds me of in Harry Potter when Mrs. Weasley sent a Christmas package to Harry.
1: Oh, yes. He was so excited. No one had ever sent him anything for Christmas. And he got a sweater and the treats and everything. Yes. Um, well, clearly the lesson for me, though, the thing that I'm taking away from this is I need to mark my calendar well in advance of the holiday, whatever mm-hmm. holiday it is, so that I remember to get my act together to get the care package organized and mail it in order for her to get it in time. But here's something really sweet. So we were walking, I was walking down the street with Eleanor and she was saying something like, I'm going to feel really sad when Eliza goes off to college. So I was like, yes, you will. Then I was like, but you know, what's going to be really fun is we're going to like, organize these care packages to send for her. Now, this is exactly the kind of thing Mm -hmm. that Eleanor loves to do. And she was full of ideas of like cute things that we could put in the care package. So I got her very, very fired up. And so that was sort of a nice thing to like at a moment where she was sort of starting to feel sad. It like got her thinking about like, oh, but this is this really fun thing that we're going to be doing as part of Eliza going to college. So that was another way that care packages were helpful.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. Include Eleanor. That's awesome. Yes. Then a lot of people, Gretchen, wrote in um, on the subject of how to stay in contact with your child once she's in college. And I think this is utmost in many parents' minds, Uh right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And people had a huge range of suggestions about what to do. Some people have a once a week call like, oh, every Sunday at 7 p.m. Some people text
1: every day, which I mean, that seems like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people notice that you want to have a light touch and that something like family group chats work. It's very casual. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of expectations. Like sometimes you could just like send a funny photo and that would be enough to just have that feeling of connection. Trin had a fun tradition where she would set a picture of something in the house, like a corner of something or a small piece of something. And it would be like, mystery, what is this? And then everybody would try to guess what it was, which I thought was like a lighthearted way of trying to get your kid to answer you.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's a great idea. Um, Someone suggested that we should add Eliza to our family updates, which right now are just you, me, mom and dad which I thought was intriguing. Do you think she'd want to know our mundane family updates?
1: I don't know that that would work as well with her as something just like texts where like mm. I text a random photograph of Barnaby and she texts me a heart emoji back. I think that's probably mm. more what would work for her. I could try. I could, we could see, see her in the update and see what happens. Yeah. She can always just ignore them. Yeah. Or she might like to read them, but then just not answer them. But you know, I think it's just this idea of just knowing that they're Okay. Without a lot of expectations.
0: Yes. Um, It's like let her contact you on her terms. Don't make it this overbearing thing that she has to respond to all the time.
1: But I think one thing that comes up is like be clear about what the expectation is. Work it out with your student so that you're not nagging them or, you know, or feeling like you're out of touch. Because if the expectation is we're going to talk once a week by phone, well, then I'm not going to be calling you every day, you know. So it's to be clear about what the expectation is for your family.
0: Yes. Always good to communicate.
1: Yes, yes. Now, some general advice that was very useful. This came from Jenna, who is a college professor of mathematics. Her advice to parents is never email or call your students professors. (laughs) Let them do that. I thought, okay, that's good advice. Yes.
0: Definitely good advice. <laughs> and then Suzanne made a good point that I certainly never thought of. She said, after our daughter Elizabeth went to college, I'd find our family dog napping on her bed. Aww. Pets grieve too. And I tried to give our little dog extra love and attention as we all found our new normal.
1: Oh, that's nice. So you can give Barnaby a little extra love. I will. Oh. Leaves. Here, uh, somebody wrote on my blog, uh, there was no name, but um, I thought this was really good advice. She said, uh, remember that when your daughter comes home for visits and breaks, she will be pulled in many directions, trying to catch up with old friends, see favorite missed places, and maybe even connect with new friends who are also living nearby. And so just sort of keep in mind that she might not want to spend all her time with us. So, again, it's set expectations, how much, you know, when does she really need to be home and be around the family and when is she free to do what she wants? And then also um, maybe an idea is to plan to have a gathering So that everybody's at our house. And so she sees all her friends at once. Mm. It's something that we organize. So I thought that was a good idea. Elizabeth, when you and I were in college, when we would come home to Kansas City, we never really did it. But some people did have things. And it was always really, really nice when people would organize gatherings and you would see a bunch of people all at one time.
0: Yes, that's a great idea. And it's hard because you go to college, you're used to completely having your own schedule, and it's hard to come back and have your mom and dad tell you like what, what to do and when to be home. Um, it you know it's can be a little tense at times. Yeah, it's
1: an adjustment. Um, Chrissy said that something her father told her that really helped with the transition was he told her before she left, you can get used to anything in two weeks. In two weeks, your new life at college will feel normal. And I think that's a very reassuring thing.
0: And then, Gretchen, people um, wrote in with advice about Eleanor because, of course, she's a part of all this.
1: Yeah. And Shannon pointed out that keep up the same level of traditions for Eleanor, even though there's just one child. And I think that's great advice. And the college student Nadia said, try hard to keep your attention on Eleanor diluted. I found it really hard when my brother moved away to all of a sudden be the prime subject at the dinner table. So uh, (laughs) that's something to keep in mind. Very good point. And Christina noted that her younger sister missed her when she went away. So when she came home, she always made sure to plan something fun for just the two sisters. And she said her parents were kind enough to encourage it and not complain about feeling left out. So I think that's good. You and I, Elizabeth, we had a lot of sisterly time, just the two of us. And I think that really is valuable. Yes. Growing up. And then
0: Gretchen, something mom did, and she still does for us, um, is She keeps a little pile in the bedroom of any newspaper clippings um, that she thinks we'd find interesting or invitations that she thinks we'd like to see, books we'd want to read, just kind of anything that uh, you know catches her eye that she thinks, oh, Elizabeth would like to see that, Gretchen would like to see that, and she has it ready for us whenever we come home.
1: Yeah, and I've actually started doing that myself, so when she and Dad come to New York, there's like a little pile for them in their bedroom. Oh, yeah. But Elizabeth, I thought maybe the last and most important thing to keep his mind sort of is picking up on a point that you made in episode, um, 122, which is look forward. You know, yes, Mm. it's sad and you have to acknowledge that it's sad and that it's at the end of something and you don't want to deny that, but you want, you want to experience, but also think about the fact that it's a fun new chapter. It's a new place to explore and get to know. You're going to, we're going to have our favorite places. We're going to have our traditions there. Uh, Leith wrote, my youngest daughter just graduated from college last month and will be moving to Massachusetts to teach. Well, at her graduation, I realized how much I would miss our trips to visit her, to go to different restaurants and enjoy the campus. Now we are on to another stage. And so it's like, yeah, remember, this is going to be its own new fun thing. It's not only yes. the end of something, it's the beginning of something. And, and uh, yes. that's very comforting to remember.
0: Yes. Yes. So the bottom line is enjoy this time, enjoy what it is and that it's a new stage,
1: um, and embrace. Yes. So thank you, listeners, for all these great ideas. There are even more? Like, we could go on and on. It was so helpful to me. Oh, yeah. It's going to dramatically increase Eliza's um, experience, I think, because I got many, many words of wisdom. So thank you, everyone, who wrote in or called in with uh, such great insights and um, observations and examples of what to do and what not to do.
0: Yes, really fantastic. I just love reading all of it. Yeah. All right, Gretchen, time for demerits and gold stars. This week, you are up with a happiness demerit.
1: So listen, this demerit, I realize I need this demerit because I was listening to your podcast, Happier in Hollywood, of course, and you guys had, the. I think it was in episode five, you talked about the Hollywood hack of having a professional photo taken of yourself. You made the very wise observation that no matter what you do these days, you almost always need to have like a good professional photograph taken of yourself. And so- It's just one of these things where if you have it, it's a very easy thing to do. And if you don't have it, it's like major panic. And the fact is, I'm redesigning my website right now. So it will be totally redesigned by the time my book comes out in September. And in the redesign, they need a different kind of photo. They need landscape, you know, when it's horizontal instead of Mm. portrait, which is more vertical. I know I need these photographs. I've known for months Mm. that I need these photographs. Have I done a thing to get these photographs taken? No, because I hate to have my photograph taken. It's so exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to run around and like get your hair cut and get your brows done. And like, what are you going to wear? figure out what you're going to wear. Ugh, yes. And like, oh, do I want to do something kind of um, unusual or unconventional? Because this is for my website. It's not like an author photo where it has to be very, you know, like very standard. So I just haven't done it. And time is ticking by, and summer is slipping away, and I know that I'm going to get like an email from the people who are helping me redesign the website being like, hey, do you have any photographs for this place and this place and this place because we really need landscape photographs of you looking fabulous to put in your website. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be like, "Um, no, now I have to rush around to do it because I just didn't. And when I heard you guys talking about it, I'm like, yes, there are a million reasons why I should just... Do this in a way where it's leisurely and I have plenty of time and I can get myself organized and get it done. And I know I will have many uses for these photographs. It will not be a waste of my time and money and energy. But I haven't done it. So that is the demerit.
0: (laughs) You need to do it. And also, I think you should have numerous outfits so that you have, you know, pictures in different outfits so that you can use them for different things and not be repeating the same outfit all the time.
1: I had this jacket that I wore so much when my book, The Happiness Project, came out that my agent called me and said, you can never wear that jacket again. Because in every photograph of you, you're wearing that jacket. I was like, but I love that jacket so much. Doesn't she know about having a uniform? (laughs) Yes. It's like, and now you can never wear it again. Um, So, yes, you're right. I should have multiple outfits, multiple backgrounds, multiple moods. If you're having one picture taken, it's just as easy to have five pictures. Absolutely, Elizabeth. When you and I had our headshots taken of us together when we were starting the podcast, we did a whole thing. It was fine. We were dreading it. It was fine. Then we had all these pictures, yeah. and we were so glad we yes. did it because we needed them. So, okay, absolutely. Okay, I'm psyched get your picture taken. I'm getting myself psyched up. Okay, I heard you I, on the podcast. The minute you guys started talking about it, I was like, ooh. Sarah and Elizabeth, they they are speaking right to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right from the heart of Hollywood. Okay, but Gold Star, lift us up. What have you been doing? What's been going well?
0: Okay, I'm giving myself a gold star Yay, this week. Great. Go ahead. A big gold star because Gretchen, you and I share um, a hatred of driving. Yes, we do. do not enjoy driving. You've talked about it. You yeah. know, I've talked about it. Yeah, it's, we just don't like to drive. And I really have a lot of fear, of, even though I have to drive all the time in LA. I mean, the, uh, nonetheless, I have a real fear of driving when I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not afraid to drive to work because I drive it every day. I know the route. I know what lane to be in. I know my exit. I'm comfortable. Yeah. But I, when I don't know where I'm going and I'm on the freeway, I'm absolutely terrified, like heart pounding in the chest, sweating, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nonetheless, I drove, uh, to Legoland mm. with Jack recently with my friend Kareen and her son Joe and, It was too hard to take the train. I really had to drive. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to let my fear of driving stand in the way of having some, you know, mommy jack time and doing something that I know is going to be really fun um, and like a way to celebrate, you know, the beginning of summer. And so I just kind of gritted my teeth and I did it. I drove there and back and I did not enjoy it,
1: but I did it. And uh, I'm very proud of myself that you get a huge gold star. I because I am exactly there with you. I know. Ex- I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do it myself, but that is huge. And it's great. It's like you don't want to let your life get constricted by this fear, right. and so you refuse to do that. How long a drive? And was it's about a it? hundred miles. Oh my! Gosh. So you know, it's it's not nothing. Wow! And it's unfamiliar, and it's on the freeway.
0: Yes. Um, so anyway, I won't say that I'm dying to do it again, (laughs) but I will do it again if I have to, because it was absolutely worth it. And I'm sure the more I do those kind of things, the less scary it will be, but I'm still working through it.
1: Yeah. It's a work
0: in progress.
1: But so here's an interesting thing. I went to this presentation about anxiety and the the presenter was saying the opposite of anxiety is boredom. And that a Mm. lot of times if you're anxious about something, it's because you don't do it enough. And that like when Mm. they deal with children, because he treats children, when they deal with children who are anxious about like something like being in the elevator, they make them sit in the elevator for hours and like play cards Mm. and play jacks and like get bored out of their minds. Because he's like, Mm. when you do something so much that you get bored of it, that's when anxiety goes away. And so part of it is if you did more driving, it would be more boring. But when you do less Mm. of it, it's like more anxiety provoking which is like me. I never drive. So when I do drive, it's very novel. It's very anxiety-producing. So I just need to drive back and forth to (laughs) Legoland a few hundred times, and I'll be all good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, Gold Star for doing it. You had a great time. It was totally worth it. So Gold Star. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Plan a virtual move. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer.
0: Also, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at gretchenrubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. This week, the resources are, one is the moment of happiness. If you love great quotations, you can sign up for the moment of happiness, my free daily newsletter that every day has a terrific quotation about happiness or human nature. So you can look in the show notes for happiercast.com slash 125 or go to happiercast.com slash resources or just email me. Or if you want a copy of my one pager about some of my favorite happiness paradoxes, because I do love a great paradox, you can do the same thing. Email me, go to happiercast.com slash resources, or go to the show notes for episode 125. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.